Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Amen, amen. Welcome, welcome. Uh, God is good. Yes, he is. All the time. Yes, he is. I want to let you know that this uh, message is sponsored in part um, by the name Tyrone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you're going to have to go back a couple of weeks and listen to Woody's sermon. Uh, But yeah, I kind of put my foot in my mouth on that one. But that's okay. God gets the glory, does he not? Amen. Amen. So over the past few weeks, uh, we've been blessed uh, to hear how we can decide if we allow the defining moments in our life to dictate to us uh, who we are, or if we decide to choose to allow those moments to show how true God really is. Amen. We were asked, do the moments in our everyday life keep us from having a moment with God? We also heard that you can either be chained or you can be changed. You can continue to stay in the shackles or God can deliver you. God can make you whole. And there's a final nugget that we heard that sometimes it takes that initial movement by us, that initial step, that initial moment of vulnerability to jump starts our moment, that jump starts our encounter with God. And, and that's where we're going to dive a little bit deeper this morning. That's where we're going to rest, but I'm, I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction. So while I was praying, I asked, preparing, I asked myself, what is the actual definition of the word moment? And, and as we've seen uh, in the English language, there's many, many definitions for one single word, and moment is not any different. I'll give you a few of those this morning. A moment is an indefinitely short period of time or an instant. A moment is also the present time or any particular time. Also, we see that the word moment means a time of importance or it's a time of consequence. The last meaning that I want to focus on today is that a moment is a definite period. It's a definite stage as in a course of events or juncture, or a a fork in the road, as you will. We're going to study that, and we're going to look at that this morning. Um, I I want you to just ponder on that and let that simmer. Uh, As as a lot of you know, I'm from North Carolina, but I was also raised as an only child. So there's a lot of moments that I remember with my mom in the kitchen. Uh, One of those is the word simmer. And uh, I always wanted to stir the pot and peek in it and look at it and get a taste test. But she was like, now, baby put that in the back, let it simmer. Don't touch it. It's going to be real good here in a few hours. So so just let it sit there. So that's what I want you to do. Let that sit there, the junction, the fork in the road, the decision that we have to make. And we're going to get that, get that, get to it in a little bit, in a minute. But I want to ask you to take a particular look at a woman in the Bible. Take a look at the experience that she had. She had a definite moment, a definite period, a definite stage, or as you will, a definite fork in a road in her life that changed 
the course of her life. And we're going to take a look at that um, and how she decided to pursue her moment. If I had to choose a title today, we're dealing with moments, but I'm, I'm asking, do you pursue your moment? We're looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. And it says this, a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. The moment she did it, the flood of the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. And at that same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, what are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking, who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him, and gave him the whole story. Jesus said to her, daughter, you took a risk of faith, and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, and be healed of your plague. Now, there's no recorded record of this woman's name in the Bible. There's no recorded record of where she lived, if she had any family, if she had any relatives, if she had any friends. But it still does not diminish the impact of the picture that this paints for us. I want you at this moment to put yourself in her shoes, to put yourself in her place. I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. She was dealing with a serious illness for what the Bible says was 12 plus years. Now, we know that it was at a minimum of 12 years. It's 12 plus. We don't know if it's 12, it was 15 or 20. But we know that for at least 12 years, she was dealing with this illness day in and day out, week in and week out, month by month, year by year, dealing with this illness. If we look in the scripture, Mark actually says, uh, or Mark actually calls out to the physicians of that time. He holds no punches. Uh, he, he said that the doctors actually made her worse. She was trying to seek the doctors to get cured of a disease that was labeling her unclean. Now it says that she has spent all that she had believing that there would be a cure, but instead the condition got worse. She spent her money. She had faith in the doctors thinking that, you know, you know what? There is going to be a time that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. But they took advantage of her. They took her money. So year after year after year after year, she wasn't healed. She wasn't taken care of. She wasn't made whole. So I'm sure that there at one point in time that she heard about this man called Jesus. She heard about this man that could make her well. She heard about this man that can make her whole again. But because of her labeling, 
because they, uh, that she was marked unclean, she just couldn't go through the crowds. She couldn't just go and throw herself at his feet. She just couldn't go and make her way because of the way that she was labeled. If, if you need to look and see what unclean means, you can go to Leviticus chapter 15 and it lays it out. She couldn't just go and, and, and just be there with him because if she touched anyone or if anyone touched her, they also would be labeled unclean. She could have easily given up hope. She could have easily worried about what others was going to say about her. She could have easily worried about how they would look at her, how people would call her out, how they would call her out in public, how they would humiliate her. But there was one thing that she did, and that's my first point today. She had to pursue past all perceptions. She had to look past what people were going to say about her. She had to look past what people were going to think about her. She had to look past of how people thought about her. Despite all that, she pressed on. She decided that her healing was more important. She decided that her blessing was more important. She decided that this moment could possibly be the moment that changed her life forever. More than anything that anyone could say about her, more than anything anyone could talk about her or think about her. It was more important that she pressed on past what people thought so she can have that moment with God. How often do we allow what others say about us keep us from having that moment with God? I'm convinced that a lot of times we talk ourselves out of that moment. We talk ourselves out of having those God encounters just because we're worried about what other people may think of us. We're worried about what others may say about us. We're worried about how we would look. But we need to remember, it's not about what man thinks. It's about what God thinks. We need to realize this, that we put too much stock in the approval of man instead of being concerned about the approval of God. It's his approval that I seek. It's his approval that I look for. It's his approval that I need. It's not man. Even though I love all of you all. Trust me, I do. But the approval that I seek is from God. Because I realize this, that when men fail, and we will, not just men, but women too. When, excuse, when man fails, how's that? Jesus will prevail. That's a negative truth that I want you to get this morning. When men fail, Jesus will always prevail. This woman had continued to place her trust in man. To the point, like I said before, that she was taken advantage of. Now, I'm not saying to you that you should never go to the doctor. I'm not saying to you that if you're sick that you shouldn't go and get yourself taken care of. I know that sometimes I'm stubborn and Amy will attest to that. I don't go to the doctor, but I do if I need to. Man, you know how that is sometimes. We're just a tad bit stubborn. 
So I don't want you going around and saying that Tari said that you should never go to the doctor. I didn't say it. Nope, it wasn't me. And if I, if I do hear it, I'm going to blame it on Tyrone. <laughs> it wasn't me. But seriously, when man has failed us, when man has let us down, when man has hurt us, Jesus will always come through. He will ultimately prevail. That's who he is. That's his nature. He can't fail. Not just because he doesn't want to fail. He can't. That's not who he is. That's not his DNA. His DNA is always to prevail. So remember that. That's who he is. Another issue that we see that she has is this. Even after she was healed, even after she had her moment with God, even after she had her encounter and she was made whole, she was still scared. Look back and read it. Look what it says. It says, the woman knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him and gave him the whole story. Now, you may ask, why was she scared? You may ask, why was she afraid? And I believe that she was scared. I believe that she was afraid because, as I mentioned before, she was considered unclean. Anyone that, that she touched was considered unclean. And so they would have to stay away from everyone else for an evening. Like I said, read it in Leviticus 15. And if someone else touched her, they were also unclean. So what had actually happened is as her being labeled unclean came up and touched someone else, even though it was the hem of his garment, she still touched another person. So she was fearful about what they may say to her. She was fearful about what they may do to her, even though that she was made clean, even though that she was made whole, she was still afraid. But you know what she did? She pushed past it. She pushed past that fear and she received her blessing, her healing. Jesus turned to her and said, daughter, you're whole. Get up, live, and be blessed. And that brings me to my second point, that we need to pursue past all of our fears. We need to pursue past the things that make us afraid. We need to stop letting what we're afraid of keep us from having those moments with God. We need to make sure that those fears are not the ones that are shackling our hands and shackling our feet to keep us from having that divine moment that God wants to have with us. Some things that I've heard and some things that I've actually said over the years, because I'm actually preaching to myself and not only to you, but I've heard this. I hold back during worship because I'm afraid of what I would look like. I thought that for years and held back. Years. Even when I was younger. I'm like, God, why do I feel this urge to want to worship you the way that I do? People talk about me. I look funny. I may sound funny. So I let that hold me back for years on end. But there came a moment when I realized, you know what? It doesn't really matter. If 
I want to experience God the way I need to experience God for my deliverance, then guess what? I'm not holding back. You have to pursue past your fear of how you think you may look when you raise your hand or how you think you may look when you pray for your food at work or how you look when you take a Bible to work or anywhere else because you don't know if that particular moment is a time for your moment with God. People know my past so they may think that I'm not genuine. How can this person love God the way they do, because I used to know what they did. But guess what? We all have some dirt, do we not? Now, my dirt may be worse than your dirt, but it's still dirt. So it doesn't matter what other people may. They may know your past. That's great. You know what? I want some people to know my past. Why is that? Because they can see where God has delivered me from. I don't get the credit. God gets the credit. So it doesn't matter what people may think. If they do, then that's fine, because in in the end, I can give God the glory. Last thing is, you know what? I I don't push past my fears. I don't push past my perceptions to get that encounter with God because I'm afraid of what God may say. I'm afraid of what God may tell me. For the longest time, I said that I couldn't do what I'm doing now. I said, give me a mic, give me some music, and I'll sing, and I'll be fine. Give me some lyrics, give me some words to memorize, me to play, I'm fine. But I'll be John Brown if I'm going to get up in front of a whole bunch of people with a mic and just talk to them. For the longest time. I know I don't speak the best. I mean, I sound the best. I get bored when I hear myself talk, so I don't want someone else to sit there and listen to me. For the longest time, when I mean longest, I'm 45 years old, so we're talking about 42 years. I could teach, give me a curriculum, I teach the class, I had something, that was great. But doing this, because it's intimidating. God, I don't know everything. And he says, well, you know what? I do. (laughs) Thanks. I was afraid of what he may say. And my mom said, baby, I've been knowing that for years. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She said, because he had to tell you. I said, okay. So God, you're cooking my grits. Some of y'all may not know what that is. That's old North Carolina stuff. But some of you may be afraid of what God is going to tell you. May be afraid of what he's going to ask you to do may be afraid of who he may tell you to go speak to. May be afraid of the places he may tell you to go. You mean I got to get a passport to go where? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. There's mosquitoes. I don't like mosquitoes. Push past your fear. No matter what your fear is, remember that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God is our strength. God is our refuge. He is the one that allows us to be able to do what we do. 
We can't take credit for any of that. We see in Mark's account of her healing that she was truly fearful, that she was afraid. Like I said before, that when she was healed, that when she touched him, that she didn't immediately acknowledge her transformation. That she didn't immediately just stand up and say, hey, I've been healed. But because she chose to push past her fear, because she allowed that moment to meet God's divine moment of healing, she was healed. My question to you is, what happens when you allow your moment to meet God's moment? What happens when you allow your moment to meet God's moment? There's no telling that what could happen. Things that you didn't think you were able to do, able to say, people you'd be able to talk to. When you allow him to affect your life, when you're ready, when you're ready to make that move, miracles can happen. We heard, we heard Woody mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it takes that first step by us, that initial movement that triggers God to move on our behalf, displaying the trust that we have in him to come through for us, not to let us down, but to always prevail. We need to stop worrying about how we're going to come, what we're going to do. God, I need to be right. We need to stop putting up these walls, not just in front of us, but around us, that keeps us from experiencing God for who, experience God for who he really is. Sometimes you think it's impossible to scale. This wall is too big. I can't tear it down. I can't break it down. But you know what? I think that sometimes we need to see Jesus as the Kool-Aid man. How many of y'all remember the Kool-Aid man? Now, I'm not talking about this soft, modern-day Kool-Aid man that we have in the commercials right now. I'm talking about the Kool-Aid man that when I grew up, that's right. And you yelled his name. He came busting through walls, tearing down sheetrock, knocking pictures off the walls. That's the Kool-Aid man that I'm talking about. It didn't matter for center blocks, if it was bricks. It didn't matter. When you called the Kool-Aid man's name, what did he do? Oh, yeah. He came running. Jesus is no different. Sometimes Jesus needs to be your Kool-Aid man. I like black cherry. <laughs> I would say I like grape, but that's a whole other story. Some of y'all will get that. Yeah, I heard you, Aaron. We need to look at Jesus like we look at, like we see the Kool-Aid man. And I'll say it like my mama says. I wanted to say it a different way, but I'll say it like she does real, real nice and soft. Now, baby. Why are you trying to take down that wall brick by brick when you can just call on Jesus? He'll walk through that wall and take you through. We're too worried about trying to break down bricks, break down walls, our own, with sledgehammers that we can't pick up, but we can simply call on one person's name. His name is Jesus. One person. Jesus. The wall may be too tall, it may be too wide, it may be too big. I'm not good at climbing the wall, so I'm not going to try to do it. I'm going to call on Jesus. 
because I know that he'll do what? He'll come through. And that brings me to my last point, that we need to pursue the prince, not the promise. Pursue the prince and not the promise. Yeah, it is good. Amen. That's all God. We need to pursue the one that gave us the promises. He said we could have love, joy, peace, healing, our body being made whole. So the woman decided at that point she wasn't going to pursue her healing anymore. She wasn't going to pursue it in the ways she's pursued it before. She was going to pursue the one that could what? Heal her. She was going to pursue her prince so she can receive her promise. Pursue the prince, not the promise. What was she promised? Health. Healing. What are we promised? Find out what we're promised. What God has promised us. She's pro- she probably heard the scriptures read in the synagogues. Uh, the one written by David in Psalm chapter 37 verse 1. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now those are the desires that are rooted and grounded in the Lord. Those are the desires that are rooted and grounded in who God is. I'm not talking about the desire to get a new 60-inch TV. That's a one. I'm not saying I don't want one, but that is a one. That's not the true desire that God has given you. The desires of your heart are the ones that he put in there, the ones that he nurtures, the ones that grow. So if you delight myself in, if you delight, if we delight ourselves in him, then he would give desires. If we pursue him, him and him only, then we will get those promises. She no longer looked for healing in man, but she also, but she looked at the man for her healing. What did she do? She sought him out. She looked for him. She pursued him. So if you will, I I, I can imagine this woman coming out of her place, hearing that this man called Jesus was there, that this man called Jesus, the one that heals, the one that by his mere look, by his mere words, not only, not only just his touch, but his mere presence could heal. I've got to get to this man. I've looked at man for way too long, but I've got to get to this man. I've got to look to the one where my healing comes from. But once she gets out, there's a crowd. She knows that she can't be there. She knows that she can't touch anybody. But what she does is she maneuvers her way so she's not seen. She maneuvers her way past the people that talked about her. She maneuvers her way past the people that think bad about her. She maneuvers her way past the people that say, well, she can't be uh, a child of God. She can't be who she says he is because she hasn't been healed yet. She has to move past the fear, past the fear of thinking that the people are going to humiliate her. And she sees and she rests her eyes on Jesus. So we have to continue to make sure that we pursue past all those fears, the fears that may hold us up, the fears that may bind us up. We have to make sure that we continue to push through. And as she continued to push through that crowd, she looked and saw, and I can imagine she got down on all fours, got down on her knees, and said, if 
I can just get to the hem of his garment, if I can just touch him, if I can just now, I'm pursuing him. I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm not looking at anyone else. I'm looking to you, Jesus. If I can just get to you, and if I can just touch the hem of his garment. How does that pertain to us? How does that pertain to us in our everyday lives? We have to make sure that no matter what people may think about us, no matter what the perception is, no matter what we may may be going through, no matter what our illness is, no matter what people say about us or her faith, his faith can't be that strong because they're still sick. Their faith can't be what they say it is because God hasn't healed them yet. But you know what? I'm pushing past that because I know that there is a Savior and I know that there is a God that can heal me. I have to push past my fear of thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. But God, you know what? I got to push past that fear. Push past the fear of thinking that I won't be healed. Push past the fear of thinking what others may say to me. Push back the fear of others, what they may think or what they may say. And then at that moment, I have to lock my eyes on Jesus. And I decide to pursue the prince. And when I pursue the prince, when I read, when I pray, when I worship the way that I should worship, when I don't worry about what others may say to me or say about me, when I'm in my car, raising my hand, no matter what they may say to me when I'm at work and I pray and I give God the glory for the favor that he's given me, no matter what the issue may be, I look and I press towards Jesus and when I do all the promises are given to me my healing is there my joy is there the love, I don't pursue love in the wrong place because I'm pursuing my prince And when I pursue my prince, my promises are fulfilled. Pursue your prince. Pursue Jesus. Because when you pursue him, he will make sure that you're taken care of. Miss Kim, you can come up. What's your level of pursuit today? How important is that one word from God? That one moment that brings you to that juncture, that brings you to that fork in the road, that brings you to that place to where you can decide to be chained or changed. That moment in time, that important moment to where either there's a blessing or consequence. Who are you pursuing this morning? Are you pursuing man? Are you putting your trust in him? Are you pursuing your job so you can be financially set? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Or are you pursuing the one true love? The one true love that can meet you at your need. The one true love that can satisfy you like no one else can satisfy you. Who are you pursuing? Are you pursuing your moment? Are you kicking past every fear? Are you kicking past every perception? Are you seeking the approval of man? Are you seeking the approval of God? Who are you pursuing this morning? Stand with me. Everybody stand with me.
with all heads bowed and eyes closed. You may say that it's hard to push past my fears. It's hard to push past what other people may think about me. I've been there, trust me. And sometimes I'm still there. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. But this is part of our daily walk. This is the choice that we have to make. It's not God's choice. He left that up to us. But when we make that choice, (laughs) baby, he'll come through. He'll come through with flying colors as he is. You may say that you know what? It's hard to push past those perceptions. It's hard to push past those fears. And sometimes it keeps me from pursuing Jesus. It keeps me from pursuing my prince. If that's you today, if, if you're struggling with that, with getting past the fears, and it's okay, we've all done it. Some of us are there now. I know at times I'll deal with it. If you have problems pushing past the perception of how you may look, and you want to make sure that you continue to pursue Jesus, that you continue to pursue the one that can give you that moment upon moment upon moment. If that's you this morning, please raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Like I said, you're not the only one. If you say that I need to learn to push past my fears. Yes, I see. I see. If I need to learn to push past my perceptions of what other people may say, if I need to continue, if I need to press on to pursue the prince, raise your hand. If that's you this morning. Yes, I see hands going up. God wants us to pursue him. He wants us to call his name. He wants us to be able to run to him. If that was you, if you raised your hand this morning, please, I would like for you to come forward so we can pray with you. So we can believe with you. And I don't want anybody up here standing by themselves. So if you feel that God is telling you to come and pray, please come pray for your brothers and pray for your sisters. Because just like when we've needed that help, when we've needed, just like what he said, when somebody has that moment and they make that decision, sometimes it takes us to take that decision to make that moment to pray. I've got others up here that still have nobody with them. So please, people that pray, come forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So pray with me. Pray with me, everybody. Worship. Worship.
Jesus for today. Ah, yes, he's glorious. you are a God that meets us at our need. That as we continue to pursue you, Father, as we push past our inadequacies that we have heard people say about us, as we push past our self-worth that we think that we're not worthy, Father God, we push past that and place our trust and place our mind on you, the one that can make us whole the one that can make us adequate, the one that can make us worthy. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And we give you the glory and we give you the praise. Amen, amen. I want you to look at someone and let them know that I'm pursuing my moment. Say that to your neighbor, look at him and say, I'm pursuing my moment. You can be seated. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.